Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. So we're in a series right now in the book of Philippians. Uh, The name of the series is Optimistic Outlook, Encouraging Words to a New Church. It's a book to the, uh, sorry, it's a uh, book written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, which was a new church. And uh, Paul had really nothing but encouraging things to say. So it's been a great book for us to be reading as we are starting this new church. The two points from last week's message, uh, which was titled One Thing, Paul's Key to Spiritual Success, was uh, not looking back, if you remember that, and straining forward. So my hope is that if that message hit you last week, just another reminder to stop looking back at past mistakes. You know, God has uh, forgiven us of those past mistakes, and it's the enemy that keeps on reminding us of our mistakes. So continue to forget, be active in forgetting the past, but also be active in straining forward. That's part of what keeps our mind off of our past, is the fact that we are looking forward and we're busy doing something. So if you're not serving on a team yet here at the church, uh, we could use you. So um, please, if you are interested in serving on a team, fill out one of those cards and just put it in the offering box and just say, I'd love to serve on a team. And we'll make sure that we set you up for that. So now if you missed the message, we do have it available online at lighthousevineyard.church. You can listen to it there. But we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. We're actually going to be finishing that up. So you can turn there in your Bibles or your smartphones if you'd like. So as you're turning there, I'll tell you a quick story. So have you ever had one of those events that you were super really looking forward to? You know, I mean, really anticipating. When I think about that question, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind was a certain Christmas. I always loved Christmas. Anybody that loves Christmas, Christmas morning, I mean, yeah, there's about six of us. All right, so (laughs) what happened to the rest of you? Just bad childhood experiences on Christmas. Anyway, I had really fun childhood experiences because uh, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, but my parents always made sure to have a really cool Christmas for us. And so one Christmas morning, I had been anticipating this for a long time. I'd asked for the Space Attacker Watch. Anyone ever heard of this? Space Attacker Watch. It was the first video game on your wrist. And I was super stoked about this because I wanted to play video games during church. I mean, that's what I wanted to do, you know? So I was super excited about having this because I was little. Then you don't hate me. So anyway. Um, so I was waiting for that. I couldn't sleep the night before. And then that morning, we're, we're doing the stockings and we're going through an opening presents one at a time. And then the alarm goes off on my watch. In, it was in the present. It was actually in the, uh, wrapped up and everything. And it went off. And my mom and dad were like, oh, I don't know what that is. And I, but I knew what it was, you know? My dad had somehow set the alarm. Go figure, right? I mean, that dad did that. Set the alarm to go off and... Uh, when I, I got to open it up and it was everything that I'd ever wanted. So you know what really made that gift extra special was my anticipation for it. I mean, that was really a big part of it was I was so looking forward to that gift. So how about you? If you ever had one of those moments that you were really, really looking forward to? 
Now, for some of us, it could have been our wedding day was something you were really looking forward to, or maybe the birth of your first child, you were really looking forward to them. You probably weren't looking so much forward to the second one, right? Because you had the, no, I'm just kidding. Um, we look forward to all of them, right? All of them. Um, or some of you students are probably really looking forward to next week's fall break, right? Anyone have that next week? Yeah, some, <laughs> or teachers. Yeah, that too. So the reality, in life, there are quite a few things that people look forward to. And when we look forward to them and when we anticipate them, it makes them a little bit more extra special. So how about spiritually? Are there things that we are looking forward to spiritually? Or maybe another way of saying that, are there things that we should be looking forward to spiritually? Well, there's one major event in Christianity that we all should really be looking forward to. And most of us, I'll be honest, most of us don't really consider this very often. But the first century Christians, they talked about it all the time. It's mentioned quite a bit throughout scripture. Jesus went through a lot of conversations and mentioned quite a few times this specific event. And in today's scripture, Paul is referencing it as well. It's known as the rapture. In church terms, it's known as the rapture. It's the day that Jesus will come back and take all of the Christians back up to heaven. It will be an incredible day. So it's described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So I'm going to read this, uh, verses 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, talking about Jesus, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, so those who have died in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air, meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And here's just an artist's picture of what it might look like. We have no idea what it will look like. You can Google the rapture and see all kinds of drawings on it. But it's a day when Jesus is coming back to take all of his children home. And it is something for us to look forward to. The problem is, unlike Christmas or maybe our wedding day, we don't know when it's going to come, right? We, we don't know when it's going to come. It could come at any time, unexpectedly. And there's actually a section of scripture that talks about how unexpectedly it's going to be. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verses one and two says, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord, this is the day that Jesus comes back, will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. They will not escape. The day of the Lord is going to come like a thief coming in the middle of the night. We won't know when it's going to happen. It's going to be unexpected. Now, Jesus spoke of his return several times throughout scripture. He knew that he was going to die, that he was going to go to heaven, but he wanted us to know that he was coming back. He wanted his disciples to know that, hey, I'm going to leave for a time, but I am returning. He wanted us to anticipate it. So here's one reference in Matthew uh, chapter 24. He says, 
Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Again, he's talking about Jesus. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds. Again, that's the rapture where he's gathering up the Christians from one end of the heavens to the other. He's going to come back with this loud trumpet call gathering his children. He says it again in John chapter 14, talks about it. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to, there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So Jesus is right now preparing a place for Christians, for those of us who are following Christ. And he was super excited about it. If you think about it, Jesus is doing all this work. He's building these rooms. He's building this house. He's building these mansions. I mean, he's super excited that he's going to return and take us home one day. So I think Jesus is pretty excited. I think it's something that we should be somewhat excited about. It's one of my favorite topics in the Bible, you know, that Jesus is coming back. So we don't know when he's returning, but it is something that the early disciples talked about, and it is something that Paul looked forward to, and uh, we're going to read the scripture and learn about why we should look forward to this a little bit more. So let's read the scripture first. It's the Philippians chapter 3, uh, starting with verse 17 through the end of the chapter. It says this, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So today's message is titled, Christ's Return, Something to Anticipate. And I'm going to give you a couple of uh, reasons why we should look forward to Jesus's return from this scripture. Uh, but let me pray and then I'll give them to you. So Father, we come to you right now and we thank you again for your word uh, that just speaks of what's going to happen in the future. There are so many prophecies throughout scripture that have already been fulfilled and we've seen, God, that, that you can give us glimpses into the future and fulfill them. You know, one of them was sending your son Jesus as our Messiah. That was prophesied hundreds, if not thousands of years ahead of that. But there is this one big prophecy that's still out there, and that's Jesus's return. And God, I do believe that you want us to anticipate it. You want us to be ready for it. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to, to understand what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to do that through the scripture tonight. And I pray that you would give me the words to say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so two points. We should look forward to Jesus's return because, number one, we get to go home. We get to go home. Going back to verse 20, it says, 
But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, our citizenship is in heaven. It's, it's not here. The Greek word for citizenship is polituma, something like that. Christine always helps me with it. Um, but it means a community. You know, it's translated as citizenship. Our people are in heaven. Our family will be in heaven. It's our community. So uh, to illustrate this, I want to share a little bit about the times that I've gone on mission trips. So I've been on several mission trips overseas, around the world. And I'll tell you what, when I'm on those mission trips, I, I'm focused, I'm, I'm doing the work, meeting the people. And I really love going to other countries and meeting people from different backgrounds and doing ministry. Those are wonderful wonderful times. But I'll tell you what, I always feel a little bit out of place. Do you know what I mean? When you're traveling, how you feel just a little bit out of place. It's not home. It's not home. But every single time, I, I remember this, we'll, we'll fly from Belgium or Amsterdam over to Chicago. And when we land in Chicago, and we actually land on the tarmac there, and, and we're taxiing in, and I can turn on my cell phone, and it says Verizon on it. All of a sudden, I just get this warm, fuzzy feeling that I've made it back home. You know, this is where I belong. This is where I was born. This is where my family is. This is where I belong. Now, if you are a Christian, you are away from home right now. This is not our home. This is not our final destination. We're on a trip overseas in another land. And you should feel like this is a little bit foreign, that some of the, the locals don't do things the way that Jesus taught us to do things. We should feel a little bit out of place. In fact, in... Uh, First Peter, Peter mentions this. He says, uh, verse 11 from chapter two, he says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And then I read the same scripture in the message and I love the way it says this. It says, friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. See, Peter is saying that this is not our home. We shouldn't get too comfortable. We shouldn't get too cozy here. So what does that mean? You know, the, the one thought I had was, as, you, as I mentioned earlier, for about six months, we've been uh, looking for a place to, to meet on Sunday mornings. And it's been wonderful to be able to meet on Sunday nights in this space. But I'll tell you, I've always anticipated moving to Sunday mornings. I mean, I've just been thinking about it, wanting to do that. I went to church on Sunday mornings like my whole life, you know? You guys are all crazy to go to church on Sunday nights. I don't know why, but you're all here on a Sunday night. But it's a little awkward for me, you know, to be on a Sunday night. And so I, I've heard some of you, I've talked to some of you, are like, oh, I just kind of like this Sunday night because I can sleep in on Sunday morning. And, and they have this routine. I have never gotten a routine figured out. No, we just, we just haven't. Sunday mornings are not like special huh, kind of mornings for us, you know? Usually I'm finishing up the message, Rose is working on the programs, or this morning she said we were cutting up deer. I mean, it was just, 
It's not a relaxing, wonderful time. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's been a little bit on purpose, though, too, because I didn't want to get too cozy with Sunday mornings so that when we would switch, hopefully, God willing, we'd switch to have church on Sunday mornings, I wouldn't have that free time any longer. So guys, don't get too comfortable here on earth. All right? This is not our home. We're not going to always be here. So don't live for the creature comforts of being an American Christian. You know, I got to have this and I got to have this and I got to have my latte and all those things. We shouldn't live for the things here on earth. Jesus is confronting the Pharisees in John chapter 8. And he just states that he's not from this world, he says. But he continued, you are from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Jesus understood his time was limited. He was only going to be on the planet for 33 years. He knew it. And then he was going to go back home to heaven. But he also knew this about his disciples. He knew that about us. When Jesus was praying for his disciples, he mentions it in John chapter 17. He says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. See, we're not of this world. This world is not our home. And one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take us home. So here's a question I've had asked of me actually several times about this is, why hasn't Jesus come back so far? You know, why is he waiting? Why is he waiting so long? Well, I believe that uh, there's a couple of answers in scripture that kind of speak to the reason why he's waiting. And it speaks to his character because it all has one theme. So first of all, in Matthew chapter 24, he is waiting for the gospel to be preached to everyone. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The end will come is when Jesus returns. See, God wants the gospel to be preached to every nation every nation around the world. It's because he wants everyone to have an opportunity for salvation. He wants everyone to come home with him. He wants everyone to have a chance to get to heaven. It's mentioned again in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, his promise to come home, to come get us. As some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Guys, this, this, this planet is going to be destroyed. Let's not get too cozy here, because this is not our home. And Jesus is only delaying coming back because he wants more people to be part of the family. He wants more people to join the family. So that's something that we can be looking forward to. But now, how do we do that? How do we look forward to it? How do we anticipate Jesus' return? I have three thoughts that you can write down. One is to talk about it. I mean, let's talk about it. The early disciples talked about it. You know, let's look forward to it. Let's not forget it. Let's remind each other of it. 
And the second way is to pray about it. You know, again, the early disciples, they pray, say, Lord, I can't wait till you come back. I don't know that that's always been part of my prayers. You know, is it part of our prayers? Um, the early Jews actually included this in the, they have a Jewish hymn called the Yigdal, and they believed in Jesus' returning as well. Um, the problem is, Jesus came back, and, and many of the Jews didn't recognize him as the Messiah. And so there are many Jews today that are still waiting for the Messiah, not realizing that he's already come. The Messianic Jews, they're the ones that believe that Jesus came and that he's returning again. But this was part of the Jewish prayers. They said, I believe with complete faith in the coming of Moshiach, Messiah. And though he may tarry, I shall wait, anticipating his arrival each day. So even though the Jews don't have it all figured out, they, I think they have this one piece figured out, which is anticipating the return of Jesus. And when we pray about it, when we talk to God about it, I think it's, it helps us to remember, but I think it also lets Jesus know we're excited about his return. A third way we can anticipate it is to learn about it. Learn about it. Uh, the book of Revelations in the Bible is all about this. So is much of the book of Daniel. There are other books as well. You could read the, the Left Behind series if you've never read it. Um, many of us have, like when it, they first came out. But if you've never read it, you could read those because it's a fictional book series. But it, it talks, it's based on scripture. So it talks about how that might look. Um, and we're also going to be doing a Wednesday workshop coming up on uh, Wednesday, October 27th. It's called Heaven and Hell and the Second Coming of Jesus. And so we're going to spend a couple hours and really just kind of dive into the scriptures related to um, heaven and hell and when Jesus returns. Um, I don't have enough time to, to dive into that tonight, but we're going to spend some time there. And uh, if you would like to be part of that, we're going to be sending out an email this week. Uh, just make sure we have your email. If you haven't filled out a card and put your email on that, make sure you do that. And uh, you can just respond to the email or just shoot me an email. We'll sign you up. So that's coming up, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. So this is important to Jesus. His return is, if you think about it, that's the next big deal on his calendar. You know, if you think about it, Jesus is like, all right, we got all these people that we're going to be trying to get to be part of the family of Christ. He says, but the big day is coming. I mean, that's the big day. Jesus is looking forward to it. It's the day when he takes us home. So that's point number one. Now, point number two, um, we should look forward to Jesus' return because our spirits get a new home, all right? Our spirits get a new home. We get a new body. So going back to our scripture, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our lowly bodies will be transformed to be like Jesus's body, his glorious body, when he returns. So I look at it as an upgrade, all right? We're, we're all gonna get this upgrade one day. So we are spirit beings living inside an earthly body. Okay, this body that we carry around is mortal. It's, it's going to perish one day, but our spirit within us has the ability to live forever, all right? But when we die, 
uh, when Jesus, or when Jesus returns, our spirit will return to heaven, and then we will get an upgrade. Okay, so let me explain this. So this is how I think about it. Everybody's heard of Iron Man, right? Okay, we got, got Tony Stark. Think of Tony Stark as our spirit inside of us, and think of the Iron Man suit as our, our physical bodies right now, okay? If you kind of image, you know, imagine that. So we go through life and we think that that's everything that we have. But when Jesus returns, we're going to get an upgrade. We're going to have a more glorious body. I like to think of it as the suits from the movie Pacific Rim, the Jaggers. Anybody seen the movie? No? All right. Anyway, that's like the size of a building. You know, it can fly, it can do all kinds of things, but there's still people inside of them. So it's, again, like our spirit inside, and we get this huge, glorious new body. See, when Jesus comes back, we're going to get an upgrade. Now, what's it look like? We don't know exactly, but we do know a little bit about what happened when Jesus rose from the dead, all right? Things were a little bit different with Jesus. So here's just a few examples. After the resurrection, Jesus could walk through walls, all right? Someone was telling me earlier, or he could teleport. We don't know exactly, but here's the scripture. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. This is in John chapter 20. And Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Jesus just appeared, or he worked his way through the door somehow, all right? And there's actually some other scriptures that talk about being in one place and then immediately being somewhere else. So I believe we'll have an ability to walk through walls or something pretty cool along those lines. Another thing that was kind of cool was Jesus was still able to eat. Now, for some of you, that's kind of important, all right? I know for me, it's like I want to have this glorious body, but I want to still be able to eat a T-bone. You know what I mean? It's just that, that concept. <laughs> But, you know, the scripture actually says he was still able to eat after the resurrection. Uh, Luke chapter 24. And while they still did not believe it because of joy, of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. I think Jesus did that to show us he's still mortal, but immortal. It was just this strange thing. But he was able to enjoy eating, which makes me happy. Um, and there are many other things I'm sure that Jesus was able to do that wasn't recorded in the scripture. Uh, but another thing that he was able to do is he, he was able to fly. And this was long before uh, Iron Man and long before there were planes and all those kinds of things. In Acts chapter one, he says, this is, this is at the, after the resurrection, this is the last time that the disciples would see Jesus. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So, I mean, some people might think it was like a chariot might have come and taken him up. Um, I like to think that he just rose, you know, that he just flew because that's what I want to do one day, you know? I just want to fly. Um, I know. I'm excited about these new bodies. This is going to be cool. All right. And then, but this is probably the best part. I mean, Jesus, um, after resurrection, Jesus had no more death or pain. I mean, can you imagine that? No more death or pain. These are some pretty cool upgrades. When Jesus returned, 
he had to show himself to the disciples. He actually said, hey, take a look. You can, you can touch my hands where they pierced them. You can touch my feet. I mean, it sounds like there was no pain there. You know, just like, go ahead, you can touch them. And in, Je- in Revelation, John is describing heaven. He says that things will be different. And he says in Revelation chapter 20, 21, he says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will will dwell with them. This is going to be a cool time, guys. God will be with us. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We're living in the old order of things right now, but there's this really incredible future for each one of us that knows Christ. Our bodies will be upgraded, and we certainly won't be disappointed. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but we won't be disappointed. All right, so that's the second point. We should look forward to Jesus' return because our spirit's get a new home. I'm going to invite Krista to come on up here. We're going to lead us in a final song. Um, but I've asked Joe Tran to read a scripture. It's a, a long section of scripture. And just to kind of set us up for this last worship song. And, and this section of scripture, it's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul is just saying how badly he wants to get to heaven, how badly he wants to have this new body. He just recognizes and understands that this body, this place, this planet is not our home. And he had a heart for heaven one day. And so I'd like, uh, Joe, come on up here. I'd like Joe to read this. And if you would, you know, just so you're not distracted, you might want to just close your eyes and listen as he reads this section of scripture. Thanks, Joe. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 16 through chapter 5, verse 10. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away 
from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.